Well, good morning. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. We are going to worship God today. Amen? You guys ready for that? Good. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, Derek actually shared a really neat story about when he was in India. Remember that one? Kind of, sort of, right? And he shared a story about, was it a train station? You remember. Yes, good. Train station, right? Yeah. And about uh, the millions of people in India. And when you're at that kind of place, it can be overwhelming. And then when you see someone you know, anybody remember this yet? Okay, good. Because it actually jarred a thought in me. And it made me think before we start today. When he was sharing that, it actually made me think of a time. I wasn't in India, and I, and I wasn't at a train station, but I was at a mall. And I was a young kid, and I actually remembered being in this mall, and I got lost. Now, who remembers getting lost as a kid? Anybody? There is that feeling, that overwhelming feeling that kind of enters into your heart, and it's like, oh, my goodness, where's my mom? And I remember that panic set in, and I remember being in this mall, one time, I can't remember, it was probably Hudson Bay or something like that. I can tell you this much. When I was lost, I did everything I possibly could to find my mom. In fact, I was relentless in my search of her, nonstop. And when I found her, of course, it was that sense of, <sighs> I found my mom. And it made me think about our journey with God. Is sometimes we might feel lost a little bit in our journey. And if we actually quit looking for him, what happens? Nothing. <laughs> nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. So our job and our goal is this. is just to keep seeking him. No matter where you're at today, our goal and our job is this, to keep seeking him. And the Bible says this. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. So today I'm going to ask you this as we go into worship. Let's seek Jesus. That's all we're doing until we find him. If you're frustrated, that's okay. Just keep looking until we find him. So, Father, this morning, we come to you regardless of where we're at in our journey. And we choose right now to seek you because you are God, because you are Jesus Christ. You died for our sins. You've done so much for us. And so today we can be thankful for who you are, and we will choose to push through anything that gets in the way because we truly want to find you. And we want to give you the glory that is due to your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Right now, just before we go back into this, there's been quite a few people that God's been speaking to their hearts. And I want them to release what God's been saying, and we're going to go back into this. So I want Jackie to come up, and Gordon and Otter, and Jim and Otter. We're going to pray into some things because Jackie's going to share something, but I also want her to pray into it a bit. And then we're going to go back into this because I feel the Lord wants to speak to us a bit right now about this. Uh, I brought a word to Chris that the Lord has been quickening this word to me the last several weeks. Surely, surely, for surely, surely he will come and save you. Surely he bore our sicknesses and our diseases and by his stripes we are here. Surely he will come. Surely he has done it. And, and I opened up the book and it fell open to Psalm 22. You who fear 
and worship the Lord. Praise him, all you offspring of Jacob. Glorify him, fear, revere, and worship him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard, My praise shall be of you in in the great congregation, O Lord. I will pay to him my vows made in the time of trouble before them who fear, revere, and worship him. The poor and the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord. They who gently seek and inquire of and for him and require him as their greatest need and necessity of life. May your hearts be quickened now and forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall bow down and worship before you, Lord. For the kingdom and the kingship and the kingdoms are the Lord's. And he is the ruler over all the nations. All the mighty ones upon the earth shall eat in thanksgiving and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive, posterity shall serve him. They shall tell of the Lord to the next generation. They shall come and they shall declare his righteousness to all the people yet to be born, that he has done it. He has done it, that it is finished. And I believe that we need to just have that faith to walk in the finished work of the cross. And I just thank you, Lord, that we rise up in that faith and believe upon you that we don't need to cry out and ask if it's your will, Lord. You displayed your will upon the cross. You displayed it openly, Lord, what your will is for the body of Christ to be healed, to be delivered, to be made whole in every which way, Lord. And I just pray the shalom of God upon us now, every which way hold, every which way hold. And I pray that we rise up and believe upon you, Lord, that you are a man that will not lie, that your word is true, your word is yea and amen. And Lord, that you have done it. You have done it. You have done it. Quite often in the past when things like healing came up, I just knew I didn't have faith. And what would happen is the accuser would come to me and say, you're spoiling it for everybody. The fact that you don't have faith means that nobody here is going to get healed. And I want to stand right now and say two things. Number one, that's a total lie. And number two, that's what the body is for. When you don't have faith, the body has faith for you. Admit that you don't have faith and gather people around you that have faith. Okay, that's what the body's for. That's why the other paralytic in the Bible who was on his mat, his friends had faith. They carried him. The Bible doesn't even say whether he had faith. It was irrelevant. It was his friend's faith. So right now I want to say and I want to pray into this. We speak that we are a body. And when one lacks faith, we stand around him. We do not condemn. We do not judge. We stand around and we say we have faith for you. You will be healed because we have faith. just want to expand kind of on where Jackie was going as well, and that is this. You know, we're singing the song, and it says, say to those who are fearful, say to those who are brokenhearted. And then it says, don't be afraid. Well, that's great. If I'm fearful and I'm afraid, and you say, don't be afraid, wow, thanks, that was helpful. Except this. And, the, and, and I loved how the song worked. And I, this is what I was saying, Chris, here as well, is that 
but you can change the conversation. Instead of battling fear, don't bother battling fear. Just don't bother. Change the conversation. Begin to declare who God is. Begin to declare. He's a strong tower. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my protector. He's my redeemer. You begin to declare who God is. You change the conversation. I remember years ago with a little girl in our home who had a mental handicap. She was about five years old, and we had said, now, you need to put on your shoes. And she looked at me, and she said, no. And it's like, uh uh-oh. She is prepared to battle to the death over this shoe thing with me. I could argue with her till I am blue in the face, and she can always say no again. So if I say, yes, put on your shoes, we're in it. And we're just going to be fighting about it. And this is the same thing that happens with mental torment. Whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's just, just sadness, it's the same thing that happens. If you fight it, it just fights back. But what we figured out to do is I just looked at this little girl and I said, oh, you can't say no to me. And she stopped and she looked at me and she got all confused. And so she put on her shoes and out she went because we changed the conversation. We're not arguing about shoes anymore. Now we're talking about who's in authority here. And so all of a sudden, the authority situation changes and the situation comes into alignment. And it's the same thing with our faith. If you are brokenhearted, if you are fearful, if you are anxious, begin to declare the goodness of God. Begin to declare who He is in every situation. And I'm telling you, the situation changes. And it changes now as we seek first His kingdom. I just want to read these verses. This is Isaiah 35. Isaiah spoke this out as a prophetic declaration. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are faint-hearted, be strong. Do not fear. We speak this in this church. We speak out, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leak like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. Then waters will burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. And we say in this place this morning that we're just inches away from water bursting forth in the desert. The parched ground will become a pool. The thirsty land springs of water. Oh, we say it in this body. We speak it out in this body this morning. Those words of Isaiah that Isaiah spoke out years ago, we repeat those words this morning. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows what you need. And he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. As we go back into worship, We need to trust and believe in the Word of God, that Jesus is the healer. That's who He is. And His Word is very clear. We seek Him. We seek Him. And so, Father God, we come and we seek You, because that's who You are. God, if there is doubt, if there's fear, if there's whatever it is that enters our mind, today we choose to look beyond that. We choose to look at You and say, we know You are God. We know who You are. We choose to worship you because you will take care of all these things. It's declared in the word of God. And we trust in your word in Jesus' name. So as we go back into worship, let's worship him believing that he's already done this. It's what he wants to do. 
It's who he is. Let's seek him. So if we believe that this morning, do we believe that this morning? We do. So let's just begin to lift our voice to him. Just begin to tell him how perfect he is. Begin to tell him how good he is. Even if the situation actually hasn't been fixed, let's begin to declare that right now. So begin to lift your voice about whatever situation it is. Jesus. His timing is so amazing. He knows when he needs to do it. He knows when he needs to work on us, learning how to have more faith in him. He knows what he's doing. That's the God we serve. Amen? It is. That's the God we serve. Father, you are a good God. Father, you are perfect in all of your ways. Father, you are who you say you are. And Father, today we can trust you. So God, we say we trust you. We love you. We choose to walk with you. We choose to believe. For some of us, we will choose to try again. And we will choose to try again. Because you're a good God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Jenna, come share. Well, just in the midst of us singing that God is our strong tower, it reminded me, the only reason why I know that scripture is because uh, it was so applicable to Benny and I in a moment, right? And it got me... Uh, it was reminding me of when Arrow got a rock shot at his eye with a lawnmower. That was last May. Total fluke accident. I was holding Arrow. Ben was like mowing the lawn across the yard. A rock shot out and hit him while I was holding him. And I had to call Teresa. And basically it cut. And we didn't know if he was going to keep his eye. It was at that point where the doctors would say, we can't tell, but it doesn't look good. And we were at the gray nuns or somewhere. And in the midst of all the chaos, I had no hope. Like I was like, my son is going to have one eye for the rest of his life. Um, just zero hope. And oh, <laughs> and uh, we're in this like sketchy little room in this old hospital. And it just is kind of creepy. And I look up on the bulletin board and there's this Christian calendar with this beautiful picture of trees. And it had that scripture underneath. And it was the only thing that we could cling to in that moment. That you are, he is our strong tower. And those who run to him will be safe. And um, uh, so for about an hour, he's not drugged or anything. And he just has this eye. And he fell asleep. And it was just so peaceful. So he goes into the operating room. And the nurse is telling me, well, if they, they're not going to take it out today. But if they do, we'll reschedule it for another day. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> okay, but you're the strong tower. And we, I run to you. I run to you. I run to you. And, uh, you know, the surgery happens. We're sitting there. And he comes back and he says his eye is completely fine. It is completely fine. Now, that was like a year and a half ago, roughly. And now it's one of those things you forget Unless you look at his face really closely, you see this little scar that's there. And it reminds me of that story every time, this little calendar on the wall. And so it's so applicable to me. And I just feel like the Lord, there's those times where you feel like you hope for, for healing, where you hope, oh God, you'll do this, but you almost in yourself have to compromise. But if it doesn't happen, you're still good. And it's not a compromise. That, that is so true. But 
when Jackie was saying, surely he will heal, I just remember in that moment being like, surely I needed you to heal him, God. I needed you to heal him. And he did. He totally did. I don't know if he intercepted at the time or if he like miraculously healed it in the operating room or what, but he healed him and he's fine and he has better eyesight than all of us. And I just praise God for that because he is so good and it is applicable. So I just want to pray that the faith that came out of the hopelessness when we heard your word and you said you were the strong tower. Surely you were and you did come and I will never forget that and I believe it for myself and I believe it for this body. So I ask for an increase of faith that we would believe for the surely healings in this body. Even for myself, I hold on to that and for everybody in here, I pray that for you. Surely you will be healed. Surely you will be healed. Surely you will be healed. Oh, in Jesus' name. All right. Well, I am honored to uh, invite Kim up, Kim Wheeler. Uh, aren't we blessed to have Kim and Lynn in the house? Like, I just love having them here. Uh, I've gone for coffee with this guy a few times. And uh, for me... Nice sweater, by the way. Yeah, I know. He's got a nice sweater, doesn't he? You look good. good. I was oh, going to wear you. my white. Well, you shouldn't have. Then we would have looked exactly the same. That would be silly. The only difference is you make it look better. Oh, thank you. Yeah, okay. Anyways, I love this guy. We're so glad they're here. And uh, they have so much to teach us, to pour into us. And so, do we welcome him? Absolutely, we do, right? Thank you, Chris. Gloria Dios. Good morning. About a month ago, I was driving from here or no, maybe a couple months, driving from, from Spruce Grove to Saskatchewan to minister, to preach. And along the road, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me as clear as a bell. He says, Kim, I want you to, to uh, read the Bible. And it was like, what? This is, I'm, I'm in the car driving. And, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, you know, and I'm just thinking, that's okay, no problem. And then, and then again, he says, Kim, I want you to read the Bible now. And I'm thinking, okay, what is this? And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just me saying that. And it was like a third time saying, Kim, I want you to download an app, Bible app, and start listening and reading the, the whole Bible now. And so I had to literally pull over. I was arrested by the Holy Ghost. Pulled over, and I'm down on the middle of the highway downloading this Bible app so I can listen to it while I'm driving. And, and I've... I've, I've, I've got, I think, two chapters left to, before I've listened to the whole Bible now. So whatever I'm doing. And it was like, I have to do it. So, Jim, I want you to, I just want to confirm that word. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying sometimes we have to go back to those things that we've forgotten. Little nuggets that we've forgotten about. So I just wanted to put a plug in on there. And this morning, I was just preparing for the word and just meditating and praying and, and I, I was watching this one little video, actually, and just out of the side note, saying, oh, this looks interesting. And it just hit me, and I even said to my wife, I said, Lynn, you've got to watch this. This is so uplifting, but it's a word for the church for today. And it was, do not be afraid. I just felt, this is for the church today, for somehow, you know, and it's not what I want to share about. But yet, it was, it was what the Spirit of the Lord is, it's called fresh manna. Amen? So take that word that was shared there by confirmation of two or three witnesses. 
saying, do not be afraid. He says, because I am with you wherever you go. And do you remember when, when uh, uh, Moses died and the reins and, and everything were handed over to this young man? Actually, he wasn't that young anymore. He was over 40 years old by that time. But uh, Joshua. And he had this, all of a sudden, this huge responsibility. And several times in a row, God spoke to him in the tent of meeting, and he said, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. And then he would turn around, and he says, and do not be afraid, because I am with you. And that's what I believe the whole Lord wants to in- encourage every one of us today. Don't be afraid what you're going through. Don't be afraid what you're going through, because the Lord your God is with you. And you know what the answer is? Is knowing your God. That he is able and willing to see you through absolutely any struggle it is. Whether it's financial, whether it's healing, whether it's depression, whether it's, it's just uh, the cares of the world. He says, don't be afraid. That's a, isn't that an encouraging word for this morning? For all of us. So you need to take that nugget and you need to make it your own. We need to take hold of that and say, yes, Lord, that's for me. Don't be afraid. That, uh, it just encouraged me this morning when I, read, when I heard that. And I'll say, that's for us for today. And then I love it when the Lord brought that out today by more than, I think, three people. That is absolute confirmation to this body. Amen? So we take it, Father, and we say, we will not be afraid. We will not be afraid of what you're, what, what's coming, what's already here, what we're going through. Father, we will not be afraid of, of stepping out in what you've called us to do. We will not be afraid, Lord, to be your witnesses. We will not be afraid, Lord, to grab hold of your promises and make them ours. And we receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. I, uh, I always get nervous. When I, when I come to preach here. I do. I really get very nervous. In fact, actually, and I say this all the time. People just don't believe me. I'm naturally a shy person. I just, yeah, I am. See, everyone laughs at me when I say that. Naturally, in my, my natural state, I, I have to make myself bold. I have to force myself to go preach. I have to force myself to, to go out there. But something motivates me to do it. When I was young, a kid... The, the, the most fearful thing in the whole world to me was to get up and talk. And talk. Like, I would, I would literally shake like this. But when the Holy Spirit got a hold of me when I was 18, something changed, and I was able to overcome it. But yet I still, every time, I have to say, no, Lord, it's not in my own strength. Amen. So I will not be afraid. Amen. What can man do to me? What, do you, what can you do to me? You just kick me out? I, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I guess you could, but <laughs> hallelujah. Um, I want to share a message, but before I do, I'm going to show something. You can get that Facebook page up there. A few things about Faviva. How many here know that you guys actually support Faviva World Missions on a monthly basis? We have an obligation to come and give a missions report from time to time. To me, that is such an important thing. You see that in the Word of God. You see when Paul and Silas and, 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 and Peter and all of the apostles and the prophets and others were sent out, and Barnabas, they came back, and they always says they gave a report to those who sent them. 
And they shared about what God was doing because you are partakers of that because you, you, because you are part of it. And so to me, it's such a vital thing that you know what we're doing so that you know where your money's going. Amen? So the one thing, this, how many know we have a Bible college or I mean an a education center? Some of the things we share, we don't even, people don't even know we have. We have a, a, a fully accredited, governmental accredited college. So it's like a college degree, two-year degree. Right now, um, we started, this is our third year. We now have, for next year, we already have 50 students signed up. And uh, it's, it's an amazing program. I'm going to share a little bit more about it later. But these are, are some of our students from last year. I don't have a brand new one. They're in front of the part of the, of the college itself. You can just keep going. So that's a bit of what we do. We believe very strongly in education because where we minister in Central America, poverty is one of the greatest battles there is. It's, it's one of the principalities and powers over, the, over those nations that rule and govern spiritually that we come against and we try to break that power. So education, that's, a, that's one of the natural physical elements in how we can break poverty. Okay? The other one is through warfare, spiritual warfare, because there's the spirit of poverty, right? But there's also the, the, the man, mindset of poverty, Okay? There's, there's a, a variety of different ways that you have to break. So, so this is our Bible school. We've had our Bible school running for over 20 years. And so most of them are pastors that are already pastoring, but many others that come. Uh, many of our own kids in our children's home have gone through and are going through our Bible school. We've had that for over 20 years now. So it's an ongoing thing. And uh, it's just an awesome, awesome, awesome thing. I love going in there and preaching, teaching, um, to these guys, to these men and these women. Uh, we have a feeding program. Oh, no, this is Nicaragua. This is one I don't talk a lot about. We have a school, um, a grade school from grade 1 to grade 10 now. And it used to always only be to grade 6. Now it's to grade 10. And there's two, we have 250 students in our school in, in Nicaragua. How many knew that? It's not a lot of people know that. But uh, so we have, the reason we don't talk much about it is because everything's going so good. You know, it's usually the ones that, that are squeaking that we talk more about, the ones that need a little bit more. But we have a pastor and his wife and a, and a ministry that actually oversees that whole thing, and it's just been good. All we have to do is send money every month, <laughs> which is a good way. It's not bad. But 250 kids, and these are another part of in, in the, the slum of Managua. When we first started there, uh, this is how it happened. I went into this area to preach, to minister. We had a team with us from, from uh, New Jersey. And we were going into this one slum area, one of the most dangerous areas there is in all of Central America. And it's gang-ridden. And as we were going out there ministering, we saw this little school. And we, we met the, the principal, and they were closing the school. They were in preparation of closing the school because they had no funds. And it was that night, the Holy Spirit just, just pricked my spirit, saying, Kim, do not let the light go out in that place. And that's all it took. Do not let the light go out in that place. I didn't know them. They didn't know me. But the next day I went, and, and I said, we will support you. And, and about f- uh, for about five, six years, it was a struggle. It was a difficult thing to do. I won't go into the details, but it was a battle. And, and not, just, not just financially, 
And not just, not just spiritually, but physically as well. Because so many of these kids would go through horrible things because of the gangs. And then, of course, we feel not responsible, but we have to go in and minister. And it's just a, not an easy thing, right? But we felt the burden of the responsibility that God put on us. So we always have an option. We always have a choice to say yes or no. And God doesn't say, oh, you're a lousy sinner if you say no. No, he says that's okay. But the better thing is saying yes if he asks, right? So, so that is it. But five, six years later, we ended up buying a big piece of land. We have a beautiful big compound there. It has a church in it. has the whole school, a house for the, for the, the directors to live in. And, and it's been a shining light in that entire community. And it's now become, now that whole community has been transformed. And it's not just because of us, but it's part, a big part of it is because of, of that school. And the, 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 they, they learn about the Word of God. So it's just a wonderful thing. This one here is, we also have a weekly program. And this is elder, these are some of the elderly people in the community. There's about 30 of them that have no family, no one to take care of them. And they come from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we come and bless them with all kinds of different things. It's a weekly program we do. And uh, they learn about the Word of God. They get prayed for. They, get, they receive healing, deliverance. And the most important, they are literally, before we come, they're standing there, sitting, waiting for us to come. When we come, they're all clapping because we, we enter the room. When I say we, and I don't mean me personally, but we have directors for that program. So it's an awesome program. And those are some of the lost and forgotten people in countries like Guatemala. If you have a family and you have children, you generally will live with them. And they will take care of you. That's just part of the culture. But if you don't have children, or if your children have moved away, or if you have children that, that don't care, then you're in trouble. Because there is no social welfare. There's no social program to take care of these elderly who need help. Many of them, as you can see, are in wheelchairs, and they have nobody. So that's where we come in. We go visit them in their homes. We go visit them at this, in the center that's been established for them. We help them with supplies, with medicine, with prayer. But the most important thing of all is just love. You literally just come in and show the love of Christ. And it makes all the difference. So that's another program we do. Carry on. I could stop and, and preach on each one of these. So, so it's, it, I'm trying to go through them really quick. Because we do several different things. They're, they're looking. They're looking. You just have to scroll down. You have to, yeah. This one has been, how many know that sometimes when God tells you to do something, it doesn't always happen tomorrow? God told me to buy this piece of land about how many years? Six, seven years ago? More or less, six, seven years ago. It's about five acres of land right beside our, our compound. And uh, it's just a big, beautiful, big field. And and that's just a portion of it. And you're all looking at it and say, what's there? What is, what's going on there? Those are rocks. And we're blasting them because we are finally underway to build a professional-sized soccer field. We already have a full-size commercial playground that has been finally brought to Guatemala. It took us two months to get the container out of the port. And thousands of dollars later, how many know that missions isn't always an easy thing to do? 
And, it, and you think that it's going to go smooth. You got all your ducks in a row. Guess what? Ducks are not easy to get in a row. <laughs> and so we, we finally, praise God, this week, just last week, we've started on this whole pro- program. And in November, we have a team coming to install all the playground. And this is, this is for the community of about 5,000 people. They have nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. There's nowhere. Can you imagine Spruce Grove without a single playground? Not a single soccer field or football field. Not a single place for any youth or, or children to go and play where it's, where it's safe. Would you want to live there? You'd move somewhere else, wouldn't you? Well, that's kind of what it's like. So we, we've decided, and this, is, this was now a prompting of the Holy Spirit about six, seven years ago, saying, buy this piece of land. And at the right time, he says, I want you to start building this. So we have the project already planned out. We already have the rendition. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, it's here. So praise God. So, so in November, this big playground's going to be in. And then after that, we're going to start on the soccer field. We still need about $100,000 for it, but do not be afraid, God says. <laughs> Hallelujah. Next one. This is a project that we've already been ongoing for, for several years, and it's a feeding program. You can kind of flip through these. Now, it doesn't look like food, but it's part of it. This is out in the middle of nowhere near the Pacific Ocean, and it's a school, a rural school, another part of what we do. On a regular basis, we, go, we do a feeding program for hundreds of kids, three days a week. And we feed them. Most of these kids only get one meal a day. So that's part of what we do. We go in, we help the school as well because they get nothing from the government. And so we help with supplies. We bring teams. We, we evangelize. They've given us a full open platform to share the gospel. And it's affected dozens and dozens of families from receiving Christ. And now we, we've said we want to actually uh, build and double the size of the school because they need it. There's 65, 70 kids in um, two little classrooms, two little wee classrooms, and, and, that's, and it's growing, but they have no room for it. So we're build, building this one multi-use facility on the property there. Faviva's doing that, and so that's what you are seeing. These are some of the kids with the feeding program. They get fed, and they love it. They, they, uh, they enjoy participating. So a lot of our missionaries and staff, they go there on a regular basis that they pray with the kids, and now that's them on the pile of, of, uh, of sand, and we're start helping start with it. These kids get fully involved in the, in the project in helping build as well. Look at it. I want to see this photo. This shares it all. Now, the, each one of the kids is receiving a bag of, of, um, of soup mix to bring home to their family as well. Because the kids aren't the only ones that are hungry. The families are too. So you can see, I love the grins on their faces. It explains it, shares it all. Amen? And last but not least, this is an ongoing program we've had for many years. We've shared it with you guys. And it's something that, that uh, you know, we always promote. Stoves for life. Because it saves lives, literally. And it saves lives spiritually. And we've put in hundreds and hundreds of them, but we still have a lot to go. We have another 12 families right now waiting for a stove. $300 pays for a stove. That is, that is the next uh, one, one person that's waiting right now. That's why I put her photo up. That is her kitchen. 
That is where she cooks for about six kids, one husband and herself, and, and that's, where, that's where everything happens. But there's always smoke, always, constantly. And it kills the women, kills the children, and it creates incredible problems for them. So by replacing that with a, one of the smokeless stoves and installing it, it just literally changes their life. Amen? So that's part of that, those programs. And then the other program that I'll talk about before I go is, just real quick, is the scholarship program. And that's a fairly new one. Is we kept asking the Lord, Lord, how, give us a, a, a really good idea of how do we promote and how do we support the education center? Because, again, we target students, youth, they're anywhere from about usually 60, 17 years of age up to 22. And these are for ones who have graduated high school, okay, and they want to go on to a higher education to get a college degree. And I think it's a no-brainer. We, we understand the importance of some of that. There, it's even more important because it's a, it's a way out of their poverty, not just for them, but for their whole family and for generations. So the problem is we target, because we don't just help all the poor, because it's everybody. So we focus on the ones who can't survive without help. So the same thing with our education center. These are students who simply cannot afford to go to college. There's no way they could ever afford to go, so there's no way they will. And so we said, we've developed a scholarship program. They have several criteria. They have to be good students, good grades, a desire to learn, and a, and a passion to carry on. And so we've, we said, we, we've got a scholarship program that, that sends them to the school, pays their whole way, covers their books, covers their uniform, and it also gives a subsidy to the family because when you take one of these kids away, you're taking food off of their table. Literally taking food off their table. And so after the second year, now we already kind of knew that because we've been doing this for years, but after the second year, the principal came to us and she challenged us. And she said, Kim, we've got to do something more with these families because these some of these kids are working starting at 4 in the morning, literally starting work at 4 in the morning, and then they come to school till 1. They, go, they work till noon, and then they come to school at, at 1 o'clock, finish at 6, 6.30, and then they go to work again. And they, they're just, they can't do it. So, we, so what we've decided is part of the scholarship also covers some of the subsidy for the family so that these kids can actually study properly and actually succeed. And then after they graduate, they get a great job. I'll give you one quick testimony. Is, uh, we had a girl graduate um, last year, and she, the, the dad wouldn't let her come to school. Okay? We went to her. We went to the, she wanted to study. She was a smart kid, and the, they were so poor, and they live right behind us. And, and the dad said, no way, no way. He says, school's not for women, for girls. The girl, like, it's very, it's very traditional there. Remember that. And it's not because they're second-class citizens. That's not the issue. It's about they need to go and, and, and cook. They need to go and clean. They need to help us. And if they aren't there, then who's going to help? And we can't afford to hire somebody to come and do it. So the dad was just insistent. No, I'm not going to send her. We finally convinced him that, to send his daughter to school. And so she graduated just, just last year. And, and their older daughter, the oldest daughter, was been working for about five years at a factory, a clothing factory in the city. 
And it's a very low-paying job, very hardworking. They work like 55, 60 hours a week, make a few hundred dollars a month. So it's not a big-paying job, but it's something. And they usually send the money back to the, to the family. So this girl, she graduates, gets really good grades. She goes and applies to the same factory. She gets a position that she is now her sister's boss. And she's making about three times the salary that her sister's making. The dad comes back and he says, here, take my son. (laughs) Do something with him, you know. But all of a sudden, at graduation, he was the proudest papa that you could have found. And it changed that whole family. And that was the first one in the whole of generation of that family ever to go to college, which is the vast majority. Right now we have 37 students. There's only two that anyone in their families from generations has ever gone higher than grade 10. And all the rest, it's, it's, it's brand new for them. So $1,000 is what, is what a scholarship does per year for that. So if God moves in your heart, that's what that is. So now I want to get on to the, a message. Mark said, I can't just talk about missions. You know, Pastor Mark, he said, you've got to give a word as well. I said, okay, I've got a good word. Amen. How many, how many believe in prophecy? How many believe in signs and wonders? How many believe in miracles? How many believe that we're supposed to pursue all the higher gifts? How many love operating in signs and wonders? Laying on of hands, healing the sick, raising the dead. Has anyone here ever raised the dead? I've, I've, I've. I've prayed and, and seen three people raised from the dead. And I'm not sharing that bragging about me. I'm bragging about my God. Because if he can use a fool like me, he can use a donkey like you. And I didn't hear a single e-haw. <laughs> Some of you look more like donkeys than others, but that's okay. Nothing personal, Chris. No. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12... Paul gives a little bit of a discourse about one body, many members. In other words, we're all in this together. We can't separate ourselves. It's like I said, you're stuck with your relatives, right? Whether you like us or not, you're stuck with us. We're family. God says there's one body. You can't say to your thumb, I have no need of you. You can't say to your foot, I don't like you, and cut it off and be fine? No. You can't say to your eyes, which we already saw, it says even one eye is okay, but it's not nothing, it's nothing like having two eyes, right? We need each other because that's what completes us. So he, he shares about that. We understand that. We've had amazing teachings about it. And then he goes on and he starts talking about now the body of Christ and what it's made of and the incredible things that God has called us to. Amen. And he says, he says, we're body of Christ, individually, members of it, and God is appointed. How many, everyone say appointed. appointed. In the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, signs and wonders, gifts and healings, helpings, administrating. Praise God for my administrative wife. Hallelujah. Various kinds of tongues. But we don't all operate in all those things. We have need of one another. And he goes on and he says, he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Amen? Earnestly. Do you know, what does the word earnestly mean? 
He's saying with just oh, with a passion, with all your heart, look for it, desire it. You know, we're supposed to look and earnestly desire the gift of laying on our hands. And he's given it to us. He says we're to earnestly desire prophetic word and be, allow it to freely operate within the church. Because it's there for encouragement. Amen? Exhortation. That's what it's there for, is to encourage us as a word of the Lord saying, and that's what it was this morning. That was, those were prophetic words. Prophecy isn't always about the future. More prophecy, and the majority of it is word of encouragement like it was today. And we heard, because a prophetic word is from the Holy Spirit to us to give to the body. Amen? This morning we heard a prophetic word. Do not be afraid. Amen? Don't be afraid. Miranda, don't be afraid. No te preocupas. You don't have to be afraid because I'm with you. That's, isn't that a word of encouragement? That's prophetic. I just, I can't help it. I love it. I love going in and seeing signs and wonders. I love going and, 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 and doing exploits for God. Can everyone say amen? Isn't that exciting? I don't know about you, but I love it. I've seen tumors disappear right in front of my face. I've seen, I've seen people rise up. I saw a guy who was, his, both his legs were, were black. They were going to cut his legs off because they were both atrophied. And both his legs and feet were black. And they had to cut him off. And after I prayed for him, within, I think it was like three days, he started moving his, his toes. But after three days... It was completely well. He's a pastor today. Wow. I mean, that's exciting. Oh, mighty man of God. Yeah. <laughs> no. But it excites you because that's what we're supposed to be. And yet, he says, I'm going to, but I, that's good, but I want to show you a more excellent way. What? There's a more excellent way? How many want to know the more excellent way? I love one translation. It says, the most excellent way. And I, I love that one because I can't think of any other way that's more excellent than love. So let me read this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and now he's basically repeating everything he said that we're called to do, that we're called to, to desire, that we're called to go out and do, and he's even in the context that we have done it. Understand that. That we have done it. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Big zero. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. In other words, he's saying, they're not eternal. You don't gain a bit. Now, does the body of Christ, do do they gain? Absolutely. Does the world gain? Yes, absolutely, because it says the power of, of God is demonstrated and it brings people to Christ. So they profit. But now he's making it personal. What is your motivation? Because if we don't have love in what we do, 
it doesn't mean a thing to us. We have to look for the eternal things, not the temporal. So it comes down to what is our motivation for doing what we're doing? What is our motivation for church, coming to church to worship our God? What is our motivation? It says, now he goes into a little discourse here again, and he tells us what love is. Love, what it is, what it isn't, and what it should be. It says love is patient and it's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Oh, my goodness, I think we've all blown it. <laughs> or is there anyone here who all says, no, no, I pass all those. Everyone maybe die. I don't know everyone else. But <laughs> what do you think, Ken? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. It says, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Amen. He, he, he basically shares what it is, what it's not, what it isn't, and what it does. Love, and I want to share just really quick on this because that's not really where I want to dwell at all. Love is not a feeling. It's an action word. Love is something that we do, not that we feel. Although feelings are part of it. Amen? There's different kinds of love. Now, I I mean, I can't even do this justice. We could talk for a month of Sundays on the topic of love and not even scratch the surface. So, so this is not an exhaustive teaching or sharing. This is just a little bit about it. So, so you have to put it in context. But to me, this is, this is the most important thing that there is as followers of Jesus Christ and what he's called us to do. If we don't get this right, what does it matter if we do everything else? It, the, the world benefits, others benefit, but what about you? If, you? if you do all the things and you, if you were to turn around and sell your house and to give all the money, without, and don't, don't ask your wife because, you know, she'll say don't do it. Those women, you know, right? Just go sell your house. And, you know, I've got a project there that you could support. Wow, that would be such a blessing to thousands of people. Yeah, just do it. What do you say? Think about it. We could do that. Think about it. We could sacrifice that. But if you don't do it out of love, if you do it, like, well, yeah, think about what people might say. If we don't do it out of love, it profits me nothing. Nothing. Zero, nothing. So why do it? It would benefit. I can imagine thousands of kids that it would benefit. So it would benefit them. So... We go on, and it, and it tells us a little bit about um, there's two great commandments. How many know them? Bible School 101. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Amen? The second one, it says, is just like it. Just like it. It's like a carbon copy. Only just put your neighbor there instead. You will love your neighbor as yourself. 
Imagine if Ken loved his neighbors and us just like he loves himself. He takes care of himself the way he takes care of himself. His perfect hair trimmed. Imagine doing that for everyone else like that. Wow, that would be scary. Wow. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Whoa, that's, that's pretty tough. That's a tough question. So, so I've got a question for you guys that I've asked myself a million times. I don't have a problem with neighbors. How many know who their neighbor is? It's so clear and obvious who our neighbor is. Good Samaritan, great example. Is anyone who's, who we come across that needs help? You guys are my neighbors. Amen? Love your neighbor as yourself and as you love the Lord. Wow, that's, that's not a suggestion. These aren't the two great suggestions. They're the two great commandments. Do you know what a commandment is, Chris? It's when your wife comes home and tells you, you've, you better go mow the lawn or else. <laughs> it's not a suggestion. Sometimes there's five suggestions first. Then there's the commandment, you know. Well, God never gave a suggestion there. He gave a commandment. He said, this is what you must do if you are my children. We don't have an option. When we signed on the dotted line, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, that is not an option anymore. You are to love the Lord your God. You are to love your neighbor. So my big question is, what is love? That's a tough one, isn't it? That's the real question, because we honestly don't really know. We have, we have an understanding, physical love. I love my car. Well, I don't. Mark does, but I don't, you know. I love my wife. My wife's shaking her head, because I like poking Pastor Mark. Hi, Mark. I love you, buddy. You're not here to say anything, so I can say hello. <laughs> you guys understand that. There's the different kinds of love. I don't want to get into that. But what we're talking about is this love, what we're, we're to do. And he says, this is what love is. Now, the problem is we can't look at love. We don't have, we in, we don't have a, a, an example in the entire world that we can follow of what he's telling us. That's the problem. We can't look at ourselves, can't look at you, can't look at you, almost you, you know. But we are imperfect examples of love because the love of God is, is imp- our love is imperfect. So there's only one example that we can follow of what he's talking about. And remember what love is. Love is, is, is not an, a feeling, it's an action. And so God, he goes on and he starts to ta- tell us what that is. Turn to John chapter 14. Listen to this. Jesus, he explains what love is and what it looks like and how we, how we operate in this. If you love me, in, in John 14, 15... If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
In verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my, lo- my father will love him. And he will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. In 1 John chapter 3, it says very much the same thing. How many want to know love, what love is? This is he, he, he describes it to us. In 1 John 3, 16, and I don't believe that there's a coincidence there when it's John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16. For God so loved that he gave his son. Right? And in 1 John 3.16, by this we know love. So this is the only one and true great example that we have that is our model that we are to follow. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Let us not love in word or deed, but in truth. This is love, it says in verse 10. Chapter 4. Not that we have loved God. That's not love. Paul, that's not love because you love God. Because your love is imperfect. Your love is imperfect. Teresa, your love's imperfect. I can't follow your love because it's not perfect. Wow. So how can we even attain to this? How can he give us some, a, 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 a commandment that we don't even know what it means? But he gave us an example to follow. He says, this is, this is what, not what love is. Not that we love him. So forget about your example to him, with him. It's that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How many want to know how love is perfected in us? It says in verse 17, this is how love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. See, if we want it to be an example, if we want to profit from this, the day of, at the day of judgment, this is how we do it. I don't know about you, but I, I want to get to the judgment, that seat, and I want Jesus to say, yeah, you profited from doing all those things, from leaving your family, from, from spending days in the jungle and, and, and giving your home away and all these other things. Yeah, y- you made a difference. I don't want to get there and say, sorry, got nothing for you. You, you get to come to heaven, but... No reward for those things. As he is, so also are we in this world. Well, I mean, just for sake of time, I'm not going to go through all the different scriptures, but as I was praying about this, I love this is how the Holy Spirit works with us, is as we're meditating on his word, he shares these nuggets to us. He shares these things to us that I've learned to write down because we forget them. And he told me, uh, the other day, he says, revelation comes from obedience. And I'm going, what? Revelation comes from obedience? And I said, Lord, you have to show me in the word where that, where that is. And in First John chapter 2, he showed it to me. It says, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. 
By this we know that we are in him. In John, we, we already read these scriptures, but I'll get to go back to it. He tells us, it says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. But what happens? How does love work? You see, when we obey God and those commandments, which are multifaceted and multi-leveled, okay? And I'll get to that in a minute. But it, it says, we follow that example, and it's out of obedience, Lord, because nevertheless, Lord. Jesus, the perfect example. Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But not my will, Lord, but yours. Lord, I obey you. That was love that Jesus came. So that's the example we follow. So we get to this uh, word, and he says, my commandment, Ken, I want you to do such and such. I want you to go to, to over there and do such and such for that person. Is that a commandment from the Lord? Yes. And if we don't obey, where is the love of God in that? So we follow. We have to follow his obedience. But we start out by faith. Everything is by faith, including our love. Because it's not, it's not, it says the love of God in, in Romans 5, 5, it says the love of Christ is poured out into our spirit. It's poured out. And it says it's, or another translation, shed abroad in our hearts. Amen? The love of Christ. When we receive Jesus, he says he gave a portion of his love, what it is, into us. But how do we, how do we get a hold of that portion? How do, how do we let it, how do we get the revelation of it? By obedience. And we, that's what we strive for, is the revelation of what the love of God is for us as individuals, for the church, as a body of Christ, and, as, and for the world, and what God has for the world. Because if we walk and obey in, in love, then it doesn't just profit them, it profits us. Amen? It profits us. And it becomes a revelation to us. It says, it says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Listen to this. How many here love revelation? I know this is a church. This is one of the things that, that, that really, ask, you can ask my wife, I loved. There's no church like this in, that I've ever come in North America. I've shared that a couple of times. There's no church quite like this because you love the presence of God. Can you say yes? Is that, is that the truth? It, that's what you guys have been st- striving for you come in you love the presence of God that's why the worship has been developed in such a way where we enter into the presence of God the last oh that last uh, song you sang who you are oh man the presence of the Lord and the the anointing was there was so beautiful I couldn't stop from but crying how many love that that's what this is about it says He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That is what this is about. It's not just, that's that's what coming into the presence of God is all about, is him manifesting himself to us, showing his fullness in us. But it says we can't do that without love. And love isn't that feeling, and it's not selfish. It's something that's selfless. It's something that we have to obey in our daily lives, in our daily walks. Otherwise, there's only a portion of manifestation. We can only get to a certain stage. But our goal is to get to the fullness of God. 
Our goal is to get to the fullness of what he's called this body to. And it's only selfish if we stay on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's only a selfish thing as we stand and stay there. Oh, yeah, Lord, I, I've got the revelation. I'm here. I see Jesus clothed like light. Let's just build a house and stay here. Forget about those people, those, those, those peons down below. That's just us, Lord. But Jesus says, no, it's time. I brought you here for a reason. There's a divine reason that God has manifested his presence in your sight. Is so that you can know, you know the way. And you know it. And you can go down and to bring back others up. And it's time to start teaching others that way and that manifestation. And you don't leave that because it's the kingdom of God is within you. Amen? You don't leave that. It is shed abroad in your heart. But every time you obey what God has asked us to do, it says a little more piece of revelation of love has been released. How do you like, I love this part. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. So wherever we go, it doesn't have to be on the mountain. See, it's wherever we go. So when Jesus says, let's go down because they need help, it's not, we no longer have a choice if we decide we're going to follow Jesus. Love is keeping his commandment. Amen? Love is feeding the poor. Now, we also, it's, I love the way he did this. His commandments and his word. Two different things. His commandment is personal and individual. So what he calls you to do and tells you to do personally and individually is something different than what he's told me to do. There may be similarities, Amen? But what he's given you to do is not what he's given me to do. So you now, his commandment to you is for you to obey. And as you do obey, it is acting in love by faith. And it says then the, shed, the blood of Christ, the love of Christ starts to be poured out, starts to come out, and revelation starts to flow. And, and as love starts to flow, the manifestation of the gifts of God and of prophecy and of healing and of the anointing is multiplied. Amen? Does that make sense? Do you get that? This is so important for us in this, in this day and age for us. So I have a question for me or for you. What drives us to do what we do? Do you remember when Jesus asked Peter? This is now after Jesus already died, resurrected, came back, and, and, and Jesus was, he built a fire on the beach, and Peter, he's out fishing with his other friends, you know, and he sees Jesus. Goes, jumps out, swims, and uh, he sits there by fire, and no one dared even ask who he was. Now he's in, his, he's in a different body. So they, obviously he didn't look like he did, otherwise it would be a, a no-brainer, right? Oh, geez, did you get a new hairdo? You know, it looks like you. It says no one dared ask who it was because they knew by the Spirit. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Jesus said, well, sure. Yeah, I love you. How many could say that if Jesus came right now and said, Paul, do you love me? I think every one of us say, well, yeah. 
I don't, I, even if we didn't, I doubt we would dare say it. <laughs> Not really. I really like you a lot, but, <laughs> right? Yeah, I love you. Don't, I don't love your hairdo, but I love you, yeah. And then he says the second time, do you love me? First time he said, feed my sheep. Then the second time, Peter's like a little confused. Yeah, I just told you I love you. He says, then take care of my sheep. He was giving a commandment to Peter, right? And then the third time, do you love me? And it's like this time, Peter says, Lord, you know my heart. It was like, yeah, Lord, you know my heart. You know if I, like, I think he's starting to question, do I love you or not? Lord, you know, you know all things. And then he repeats it, then go and take care of my sheep. And as Peter went out, the love of God was shed abroad. Amen? That was love perfected in that commandment. There's another scripture. It says in in 2 Corinthians 5.14. And it says, the love of Christ compels me. Some translation says controls me. Others say directs me. Other, there's another translation that says guides me. Pretty much the same. Each one has a little different understanding. My, my favorite, because it's, it's more personal to me, because this is what I've seen in my own life, is the love of Christ compels me. So what compels you to do what you do? What compels you as a follower of Christ where Jesus is saying, do you love me? What compels you to go and keep his commandment? I remember my mom, um, my, my stepdad died about five, six, six, seven years ago, and my mom just wanted to die. She was finished. She said, I, I have nothing left in my life to give. I've done everything. She was, a, she was such a, an incredible woman of God. I mean, she was. She was, she was so bold, it would scare you. I mean, I, was, I actually would be embarrassed many times, not because of what she was doing, but because I knew what she was going to do. <laughs> And I'm just saying, oh, I know she's going to. And you just don't know what the outcome is. Because, you know, sometimes the outcome isn't always good, right, when you follow God. When you obey his commandments, it's not always a bed of roses. Sometimes it backfires on you. And sometimes you get a whack, (laughs) right? But what compels you? Is it that? Oh, well, what if? No. We don't have a choice anymore. But my mom... She just wanted to go. She says, I'm, I'm finished. And, and she, 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 we, they thought she was having a heart attack, and I had to take her, actually meet her at the hospital. She was in a, in a um, uh, what do you call it, assistant care home, and, um, and uh, they thought she had a heart attack. I met her at the hospital. I was the first son there, and we were waiting in the, in the in the hallway of Kelowna Hospital for hours, two, three hours. And they already checked her out, and they already realized that it was an anxiety attack. It wasn't a heart attack. So, but she's waiting for a, for a room to get fully checked out, right? And so she, we're talking, and she's crying. And, I mean, it was a difficult scenario. And some of you may have gone through this. And she starts, she, she was a woman who heard God. Like, she, that's where I learned much of, of what, what I do from her in that way. And she starts telling me, she says, Kim, I'm ready to go home. I, I have no other means to way to go home. And all of a sudden, I'm witnessing her talking, having a conversation with the Lord. And she's saying, yeah, but Lord, I, 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 I don't know if I can do anymore. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, but I just want to go home, God. 
And, and then she says this, I, Kim, I think I have to stay. And she's crying. And I go, what do you mean? Says, says, God just asked me, if you could win one more soul, would you stay? And, she, and, and I heard her talking to God. Like, and and, and she, she says, well, I, yeah, for you, God, I would. If I could, I, I will. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And she's, and she's telling me, she says, God just said, if I could win one more soul to him before I go, would I stay? She didn't want to. It wasn't her choice. She didn't want to. She wanted to go. How many have ever had that? Well, you didn't want to go somewhere, but your, your husband dragged you along. <laughs> or your wife dragged you along, but you didn't want to go. You know? Well, sometimes God has to drag us along. No, I don't want to do this. But nevertheless, God, I can obey you. And she said yes. And she won three others in the nursing home to the Lord that were ready to die. One literally died the day later. But she brought three people into the body of Christ in two years. And then she passed. And then it was a glorious time. How many of us, it's the love of Christ that compels us to do what we do. That's got to be our motivation. What's our motivation to prophesy? What's our motivation to to go out and to lay hands on the sick? Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times where I just didn't want to, and I didn't. Like I, you know why? Because he didn't deserve it. That guy's a bum. That guy's no good. That that lady over there, forget it. You know, God loves us as we are, not as we should be. So we need to love others as they are, not as we want them to be. So we sometimes will pick and choose how, where, when, and why, right? How we do it. And our love is imperfect. That's why we pick and choose. So God just took us out of the equation when it came to this. He just said, if you love me, this is how you show it. This is how it's done. You follow what I ask you to do. And as you do, as you do, the revelation of love starts to get stronger and stronger until it becomes a point, as Paul says, where it controls you. It compels you. It drives you on. You, you have to do it. You have no other option. It says that's, what, that's how we become a bond slave. It compelled us to, when we moved to Guatemala, we sold our house. The love of God, it was, it was the love that, of, for Christ that compelled me to do it. We didn't want to do it, but we made the choice. And it was a difficult thing. The love of Christ compelled me when I had to leave my wife for three months at a time to go out literally into the jungles and other places and, and no communication. But it was the love of Christ that compels us to go do that, not knowing what's going to happen, not feeling like it, not wanting to do it, but because that's who we are. We are as children and we've made the choice. And how much more for those who know the presence of God? How much more for those who know the manifest presence of the Lord and have been in his presence? And we know his love. We've seen it. That even more so for us, for this body, because, because we know we don't have an excuse. But now I sense in my spirit that God is saying, I'm, this, there's, there, there's more now. And I'm going to tell you to do some things that you don't want to do, but it's the love of Christ that's going to compel you to do it. To praying for those people, for going out and just, if, 
one more, just one more, just one more. Do we love, do we have the love of Christ for just one more? I'll end with this here. Boy, it's quiet in here. It's, here's the cool part. When we do, when we do obey, it's amazing what happens. The benefits and the blessings of God. As I was studying this out, uh, I, I, you find little nuggets every time you study the Word of God. Or you should. But here's one that I never really saw before. And I studied it out and I said, this is right. Because it's all got to be confirmed in the Word. But it says, what you sow in love, you reap in favor. And I was saying, Lord, what do you mean by that? What we sow in love. In other words, where we obey God in love, it says we're going to reap in favor for us. How many want the favor of God? It's one of the most powerful things we can walk in is God's favor. One of the most powerful things. And and I'm not bragging, but we have seen that in our life. Favor, where we go out to places and and things. It's amazing. I, I go, and people think I'm weird, but I pray for a parking spot all the time. It's the dumbest little thing. Dumbest little thing. But it's out of a revelation of, of what this is. Favor. I'll go to places and like Costco. How many can find a good spot at Costco? Every single time I'll go, Lord, I just thank you for that favor. Drive in. Car pulls out. I go right in. Right there. Thank you, Lord. That's just favor. Right? Some people will think it's foolish, but God gives us favor in the little things and the big things. It led a person to Christ once. In Mexico, I was in Mexico City, and this, we were going to this big, one of the best uh, Mexican restaurants there is. I mean, amazing place, but it's huge, and it's busy and full. And the one guy taking us is, is a non-believer, and he's a businessman. And he's, he's going, well, we're going to have to park about a kilometer away because there's no parking in this area, and there's no park. It's always so full. Never can. So let's just go. I said, no, that's okay. So I said, let's just pray. And he looks, ah, yeah, that's foolish. And we have like eight people with us, right? And so... I said, no, no, seriously, you know, no problem. Lord, just, we just pray for a parking spot right in front in Jesus' name. Thank you for your favor. And I'm driving, and he's looking, and he says, God doesn't hear you. Like, he was really talking out loud, you know, like, you know, God doesn't listen to those things. And I'm not saying anything, and I'm driving in. And he's going, look, see, it's, look, it's all full, like, like, totally full. And all of a sudden, this car pulls right out, and I pull right in, right in front of the door. I mean, right in front of the door. And he looks at me, and he says, who are you? He says, oh, he says, I'm a sinner. Save me. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I thought that was pretty cool. I love that story. But in Proverbs 3, 1 to 4, listen to what it says. My son, don't forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. Right? Love is keeping my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Amen? Write them on your heart, for so you will find favor and success in the sight of God and man. Wow! I don't know about you, but I want the favor of God in whatever we put our hands to. Did you know angels like to hang around people who walk in love? His love for us is extravagant. And that is his example for us that we're to follow. 
Let us be obedient and faithful to that which we have been called to as individuals and as a church. And we need to know the times and the seasons that we're in as a body and as an individual. Amen? And, and when we walk in that, that's when the greater things, that's when the greater gifts are expressed and brought out in the most powerful of ways is when that love. Amen? So I, I just a word of exhortation to this body. I believe, I believe we're in a new season. You know, it's one thing that's always bugged me. As you hear 90% of prophecies or people speaking will say, the time is coming. There's going to be. And never, there never is. You know what I'm talking about? And I would say, oh, come on. You know, it, it's like, it's always like just the candy or the carrot, you know, in front of the horse, you know, which is true many times. But there's also times when it is, it is already there is a season that's already begun in the whole world. In the whole world. And it's a new season of soul winning, of evangelism. It's a fresh new spring that has come. And there's a, great, a hunger that has started to come. And we have to know the signs of the seasons that's upon us. But now each church, each body, and each individual has a part to play in that. Right? So what's our part here as a body? What's our part? We need to say, okay, God, where do we fit in this? And, and this is what rings out in my spirit. Lord, compel me to win one more. Compel me, Lord. Whatever I do, everything I do should be aimed towards winning one more soul that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is the most, the highest calling, the greatest eternal blessing that there can be that we have been called to as a body. And we do it through signs and wonders. We do it through laying on of hands. We do it through coming into the presence of God and then leading the way for others. And it's never, ever, ever about staying there. Never. It's about finding the way and then you know the way and you bring others. You, you go down and you bring others up into it. Wow. I, I'm excited for this body because I, I can see it. I can see it. In, I'm a visionary. I can see these things happening already. I can see the, like 55, 60 new believers. Not, not ones from another church, but new believers. And we're changing their diapers. Yuck. Well, not me personally, but maybe you. <laughs> I'll leave to that to those who are called to that one. No, But I mean spiritually. And then... I love it. Teaching them how to walk. Right? Teaching them how to worship God. Teaching them how to enter the presence of God. Teaching them how to hear the voice of the Lord. And then teaching them how to bring others. Wow. I believe that's what God is saying in this new season. Amen? How many does that witness to in your spirit? It's got a witness to us. But first and foremost, it says, let, let the love of Christ compel us to what we do. In everything we do, everything we say. And it says, first to our, our brothers, first to our brothers, and then to the others. So we look around. We look around, and I look at, oh, my beautiful family. Wow. And I have an obligation. I'm my brother's keeper. I have a commandment to love you. And what does love look like? Right? Going right back. What does love look like? Looks like Jesus. Relationship between Jesus and God. 
So what love looks like is if you have a need, I'm there to follow, to help. Sometimes even without being asked. That's even better. But a lot of us need to be reminded. So that's why we have a Holy Spirit in us that he reminds, hey, there, I want you to go help that person. I want you to go do that. And then the love of Christ is expounded. Amen? Praise God. God bless you guys. And uh, please pray for us. Pray for Faith Eva. All those things, we show those things and share with them for a reason, so that you can pray for us and that you can be a part of it, so that you can help in, in whatever area that the Lord speaks to you to do, but especially that you pray for those, those people and those families. Amen? God bless you guys. I'm just going to ask the uh, ushers. Uh, we're going to take a t- an offering for Feviva real quick, and then we're going to dismiss everybody. But uh, can we actually declare something as a church? Because I've heard this lots, too, is the season's coming, the season's coming. Why don't we declare as a church the season is here? Amen? The season is here. So let's stand to our feet. If you're visiting this morning, right now, all we're doing is declaring what we believe, what we've just heard. The season is upon us, the season for souls, the season for shift, the season for change. It's not going to be a year or two years away. The season is now. The season is now. The season is upon us. So on the count of three, let's just declare that the season is now. Three, two, one. The season is now. And so, Father, we declare this in the name of Jesus. The season is now. The time for souls is upon us. The time for change is upon us. The times for communities to completely shift is upon us. Lord, we receive this call in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The ushers here already? All right, you can be seated. We're going to take a, uh, just an offering for Faviva. We're so thankful for Kim just sharing with us today and pouring into us. Um, For God so loved the world that he what? He acted, right? God teaches us how to act. Show us what that looks like now, right? In our community, with each other, right? The world will know by our love for another, right? For each other in this room. That's where it starts. They will know we are his disciples by our love for one another. So God, let it start there just like Kim said. Let us learn how to love each other. Let the world see this because it is time. So, Father, we want to just bless Feviva. We want to bless Kim and Lynn. Uh, we want to bless Matt and Carrie. We want to bless all the workers on the ground. We want to bless the people of Guatemala. And right now, Father God, we want to bless them with an offering. And so, God, just use this for your glory in Guatemala and for Feviva, we pray in Jesus' name. And so just be willing, whatever you want to give. There also is, uh, you can do credit card and you can do... Uh, interact over there just make sure you label it label it for Faviva. okay so go ahead um about uh, new converts coming into the kingdom of god the lord uh, gave me a vision last week and spoke to me about uh how they're coming in uh, the vision that i had was it was like they were snatched and it's like they're flailing, their arms and their legs are flailing through the air, and they hit the ground running. And the, the, I felt the Lord telling me, uh, is, is this time of acceleration? 
they will hit the ground running. The new converts, he's going to be, they're going to be snatched and then thrown and hit the ground running. And, uh, and uh, I just uh, saw this morning, like when, when uh, Ben was uh, singing about the Lord is strong, the Lord is strong, I closed my eyes and immediately saw a wave, tsunami coming. And I believe it's a tsunami of new converts. Uh, the tsunami of God's grace to be upon his church in a much greater way in this time of acceleration. It's just, they're going to hit the ground running. So next Sunday, we'll share with you guys, we have already at least three testimonies of God doing amazing things, right, in the last week or two here, which is just awesome. So we'll share those next week. Be blessed and encouraged as you leave. Amen.